This archived broadcast of Janet Meffer Today is brought to you by Kingdom Story Company's I Still Believe. Based on the real-life true story of chart-topping singer Jeremy Camp, I Still Believe, rated PG, parental guidance suggested, in theaters now. More information is available at istillbelievemovie.com. This is Janet Mefford Today. Our confidence is in Christ alone. Are we going to stand with God come what may? If the Word of God says it, I believe it! And that's the way it is. And now, here is Janet Mefford. Welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for being with us. Well, in the last few weeks, you may have seen the familiar sight of Girl Scouts out in force selling their famous cookies. And for a minute, you might have thought, what a wonderful organization. Well, a lot has changed since many of us were in the Girl Scouts. Today, Girl Scouts USA bears little resemblance to the organization that once just focused on fun character building and campouts and cookies. In fact, the National Catholic Register notes that concerns about the Girl Scouts pro-abortion pro-LGBT and other progressive political stances have accelerated as the organization has only grown more radical. Well, we're going to talk about it today with Patty Harabay. She is founder and executive director of the National Character Development and Christ-Centered Organization, American Heritage Girls. And Patty, it's wonderful to have you with us. It's good to be with you, Janet. All right. So what should we make of the Girl Scouts these days? It really is the case that it's changed monumentally over the last several decades. We, we didn't do any Planned Parenthood stuff or pro-LGBT stuff when I was a Girl Scout. Me neither. It is <laughs> not your mother's Girl Scouts, nor is it ours anymore. Um, there is no question upon just a little bit of research, even a thumbnail amount of research, that the Girl Scouts have become an arm to the liberal progressive movement that they are very much um, promoting feminist causes. They're very involved in the Women's March. Um, They're encouraging girls to be part of the Women's March and to wear their uniforms at the Women's March, as well as so many other things, even in their curriculum and in their lobbying efforts. Right. Oh, it's crazy what's going on. How did this happen? I think for many parents who were in the Girl Scouts, moms who were in the Girl Scouts who grow up and say, I want my child to be in the Girl Scouts, my little girl would enjoy it just as much as I did, and are surprised to see what the Girl Scouts have become. They may ask the question, how did it get this way? How in the world did the Girl Scouts go from being this great character building organization with you know the s'mores around the campfire to dragging girls to the Women's March and gay pride parades? What happened to... Really bring that downgrade about. Absolutely. A huge mission drift. I guess we both agree to that. And how does mission drift happen? Well, I think it often happens when you put certain people at the top and, and allow them to be involved and change the agenda and the direction. For instance, the Girl Scout Councils, the local Girl Scout Councils are owned by the Girl Scouts USA, which is the national umbrella organization. And the national umbrella organization is also the largest contributing member to an international sisterhood called the World Association of Girl Scouts and Girl Guides. Now, they also give direction to what the GSUSA is doing. And they are very much um, which intrinsically entwined with International Planned Parenthood, the Adolescent Coalition for Girl Pregnancy, and a lot of other questionable organizations. So you've got this situation where internationally you're very liberal, then in the national um, scheme of things you're, you've gone the same route, and then locally the same thing happens. Now they do not charter or they are not owned, quote unquote, by faith-based organizations like the American Heritage Girls 
or even like the Boy Scouts used to be, they are owned by the national organization. So when the leadership of the national organization changes and adopts an agenda that is very different than the foundress Julia Gordon-Lowe's vision, you're going to have some major changes on your hands. And you know what I have discovered through my research um, prior to starting American Heritage Girls is that in the 1970s, Betty Friedan was on the board of directors for the Girl Scouts. Hmm. And so it's been going on a long, long time, but we are just now really opening our eyes to seeing what the Girl Scouts really are about. Boy, it's such a tragedy in so many ways. You mentioned Betty Friedan. That was one of the people mentioned in this National Catholic Register article talking about these really, really big feminists and liberals that the Girl Scouts support, women like Nancy Pelosi. They promote women like Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Justice on the Supreme Court, famous liberal Gloria Steinem, and Betty Friedan, as you just mentioned. And also groups like the Clinton Foundation. I mean, this isn't even close to being some kind of midway organization that people on the right and the left can think wonderful things about or or any of these women. This is just flat out radical feminism here. It truly is. And what's really interesting to me this year, and I, I was couldn't wait to see what they were going to do when the um, election of President Trump occurred. <laughs> and it has always been known that the First Lady was the honorary president of the Girl Scouts USA. And mm. up until this election, guess what? <laughs> Melania wow. Trump is not the honorary president of the Girl Scouts USA. So if that doesn't tell you where they're at, and to think that they're a 501c3 that's supposed to be nonpartisan, that sort of blows my mind, too. Wow. So every single first lady except for Melania Trump held to that mm-hmm. position of honorary chairman of the Girl Scouts? That's crazy. That's correct. That's <sighs> correct. Did they give a statement explaining their nope. decision? I would think not. <laughs> no, I think they're counting on people not knowing that little tidbit, you know, they they so much are hiding behind, I call it the trefoil, which is their traditional logo, rather than allowing for truth to come out. And you know, this, this might be all well and good in general. I mean, there are choices that we all have in choosing what we want to do for our kids and even for our own lives. But when you are hiding behind tradition and the trefoil and not exposing the truth, that's problematic for today's parents. And so I encourage parents, whether you like what the Girl Scouts are standing for, and some people might, please dig in. Your kids are too important to just assume these kids' organizations are the same as when you were young. Yeah, good good word there, Patty. That's fantastic. You know, when we're talking about the issue of abortion, I know for several years now, at least, there were stories that came out about support for Planned Parenthood, and then the Girl Scouts came out and denied that they supported Planned Parenthood. What is the actual truth about its links to Planned Parenthood? Because you had mentioned other organizations with which it partners support Planned Parenthood. What is the truth there? Well, the truth is, is that the Girl Scouts aren't per se that we have found giving money to Planned Parenthood, but they have in the past used them as their sexual education partner. And so there was money being spent in that you would want those people to come and speak to the girls and there would be a small fee. Um, But now internationally, that strong, strong um, consortium of the International Planned Parenthood with the Girl Scouts and Girl Guides, which is that international organization I mentioned, there's no denying that, the the strength of that. It's gotten so bad that the, um, the Council on Bishops for the Catholic Church has been 
studying this for many years to see what are they to do. And some dioceses have actually taken stances against the Girl Scouts saying enough is enough. We need pro-life girls organizations, not pro-choice. And so they have, you know, disaffiliated with the Girl Scouts generally and specifically within their councils. Well, what about the LGBT issue? I had mentioned they allow anybody in. Uh, they they yeah. not only have, have the girls in the gay pride parades, but they also allow in anybody who identifies as a girl, which basically means if you're a boy and you say you're a girl, you can be a Girl Scout. I mean, this is this was the insanity, Patty, of a few years back when the Boy Scouts did a similar thing and now they're bankrupt. So what gives here? Mm-hmm. Same thing. I mean, again, mission creep. You know, would Juliet Gordon-Lowe have ever expected boys to be in the Girl Scouts, you know, yeah. or uh, anatomically boys being in the Girl Scouts? But the Girl Scouts have been like this for so long. Now, the reason why American Heritage Girls was started was a direct result of changes that the Girl Scouts had made. I had served as a Girl Scout leader for over a dozen years, um, leading three troops for my daughters. And what got me going was wondering why were they changing the Girl Scout promise, and that would be that they allowed for an asterisk to be by God's name, which basically told the girls that you could put God in there or whatever word you believed in, or in the case of an atheist, nothing at all. (laughs) And there were atheist families that were suing the Girl Scouts at the time. They acquiesced, changed their Girl Scout promise that they had held on to for almost a century and now have this flexibility and spiritual wording for the word God. So think about it. When you kick God out, and that's no longer foundational for your character development program, you usher in a whole lot of other things. And the camel's nose is virtually in the tent. And it's really hard to get that out once that thing has has been going on. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, there's so much more to talk about, including the wonderful mission that you have over at American Heritage Girls. Patty Herbey is with us. We're going to come back on Janet Meffer today. Don't go away. If you could ease the suffering of a persecuted Christian right now, would you? Hi, it's Janet Mefford, and I know you would. Hebrews 13.3 urges us to remember those who are persecuted, noting that when the body of Christ anywhere suffers, we suffer together. These believers live where evangelism is criminalized, where churches are burned, and where Bibles are scarce. They need the hope found only in God's Word, and your gift today lets them know they're not forgotten. For only $5, a believer like Anna in Africa will receive a Bible, be discipled in her new faith, and trained to share Christ. $35 sends seven Bibles, $100 sends 20, and a limited time Bible for Bible match will help us meet our goal of sending the hope of God's Word to 1,200 persecuted Christians. Become a Bible sender today by calling 800-YES-WORD. That's 800-YES-WORD. Or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. Once again, call now, 800-YES-WORD. 
The healthcare open enrollment period has ended. Did you miss it? Don't go a whole year without having a healthcare program. Sign up with Liberty HealthShare. As a Christian healthcare sharing ministry, Liberty HealthShare is not insurance, so you can still sign up. In fact, you can sign up any time of year, and there are no contracts. Starting as low as $199 a month, Liberty HealthShare has memberships for singles, couples, and families, so you can choose the ideal program for your situation. Plus, Liberty HealthShare has no network, so you're free to pick your own doctors, hospitals, and providers. Liberty HealthShare is a nonprofit ministry, so your money goes toward helping other members with their eligible medical expenses. And in your time of need, other members are there for you, too. You can feel good knowing you're part of a community of like-minded individuals who understand the importance of people coming together to bear one another's burdens. Go to libertyhealthshare.org JMT for more information. libertyhealthshare.org JMT. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. And now, here's Janet. Welcome back. What should you think about an organization for young girls that tweets out hot, hot, hot in response to that inappropriate Super Bowl halftime show with Jennifer Lopez and Shakira? Well, for me as a mom, the message would be don't go near that organization. But I'm talking about the Girl Scouts USA. And it is the case that many, many Christian parents have recognized the mission drift of Girl Scouts USA. But happily, there are great alternatives, including the American Heritage Girls. And I am joined by Patty Harabay, who is founder and executive director of that great group for girls that has not kicked God out. Patty, you know, you were mentioning that you first became alarmed as a Girl Scout leader of over a dozen years when you saw the Girl Scouts changing their promise and putting an asterisk by God's name and atheists sued and said, why do I have to pledge my allegiance to God? When you kick God out, is this not just absolutely inevitable that anything can go at a certain point? Because what boundary do you have up that would even be your true north once you cross that line? Absolutely true. When there is no moral barometer and when social mores, whatever the society is doing today, becomes your character development platform, that is not a solid foundation by any means. And so anything can go. And we've seen that happen in the Girl Scouts. That's right. Well, now, as you mentioned, you founded American Heritage Girls. When you did that, and and it was based on the story that you told about your frustration with the Girl Scouts, what sort of group did you have in mind? What was it that you wanted to give girls that you felt like the Girl Scouts were denying them? Mm, Well, first and foremost was a faith in God. Um, That was really critical. I I believe if you're going to have character development, you need to base it on some timeless truths. And that for me as a Christian woman, would be a biblical, timeless truth. And so American Heritage Girls is a Christ-centered program that partners with churches and private schools that want to bring Christian identity to girls so that they can understand who they are in Christ and what the nature of Christ is, and they can do it through these fun-filled Scout-type activities. Now, that's the cream of what Girl Scouts were about when we were young. We loved the camping. We loved earning the badges. We loved the the fraternity or the sorority of it, you know, the girls hanging out, having fun. So for us, faith, service, and fun is what American Heritage Girls is all about. And we've been enjoying this program and seeing God transform lives for the past 25 years. That's wonderful. And, And we have benefited, by the way, just by way of revelation as a family 
family having our daughter in American Heritage Girls. And we thank you so much for that because she just loved it. And, and you know, and you don't have to worry, obviously, when your child is going to a group like yours as opposed to, okay, are you going to end up in a gay pride parade if you go down the Girl yes. Scouts today? I mean, it's insane. What You know, tell people a little bit about what girls do when they go and join American Heritage Girls and they're involved in a local troop, maybe at a local church. What sorts of experiences will those girls have? Absolutely. The girls typically meet every other week and they will have troop meetings that will last about an hour and a half. And what typically happens is you open with a flag ceremony and prayer and the girls then might have announcements of what's coming up. And there's always something exciting coming up because these girls don't just sit and do troop meetings and badge work. They get out into the communities and they serve and they start to understand what kind of passions the Lord has given them around some social issues such as Perhaps they're very pro-life. They want to help out at a pregnancy care center, or perhaps they, they think it's important to feed the hungry. All the things that Jesus has talked to us about in, in Scripture on what we should do as Christians, they, we actually put feet on their faith, and the girls are able to do these things. They also learn how to be leaders. And one of the concepts that I have around leadership is that really pretty much everyone's a leader because everyone has influence. Now, will that be a positive influence or will that be a negative influence? And so what we try to encourage the girls is how to be a positive asset to their group of friends, to their church, to their school, to their communities. And then also the ability for them to be really confident yet humble, you know, able to do life, but not be fearful of it. And, you know, in this world, Janet, when there are over 38% of all youth have a diagnosis of a di- of an anxiety disorder, it is alarming how much girls need to be affirmed, encouraged, and just understand that God's got this. Hmm. Great. What would you say are some of the fundamental issues that young girls are dealing with right now? What are some of the top ones? Well, some of it, you know, so much of it is is much what we dealt with as girls. Some of that stuff is not changing, such as body image and, um, you know, just not feeling confident in who you are. But now, you know, bullying is really big. Bullying is much bigger than when I was a kiddo. And this whole idea of wanting control And that's really the essence of bullying. And girls, almost every girl that I've met has had some form of bullying. So it seems a record high. The other thing that surprises me is to see the amount of gender confusion that's happening even within the ranks of our own, which are basically Christian families and how the society has really drilled into their heads about this confusion, you know, this non-binary mentality. And the girls are they're struggling through that and really needing to hear God's truth around that. You know, self-harm's a big one, has been for many years, as well as social media, this wired technology, um, finding friends through social media rather than real friendships that you can you can make in a girl in an American Heritage Girl troop at a camp out or through your troop meetings. So all of these things, this loneliness, bullying, body image, uh, anxiety, uh, fear of missing out, these are all issues that are dealing um, that American Heritage Girls are dealing with. And you know, we, we've decided for our 25th to give a gift to the nation, and that is our radio minute called "Raising Godly Girls." 
where on Christian radio, you might hear this driving in your car and hear this great little one minute thing. Talk about a problem we have today, a scriptural answer, and then a call to action for the family on how they can do something really positive for their daughter within their family to deal with one of these categorical issues that are confronting today's girls. That is so great. Wonderful. And I'm sure many listeners have heard it and and benefited from it. You know, one other thing that I was thinking about when I'm looking at your diagram here on your website, you have Christ in the middle and then you have the other categories of leadership, citizenship, social, emotional, life skills and faith. You mentioned that you have something called the AHG, the American Heritage Girls Faith Award Program. How does that work? What is that all about? How do you really engage these girls spiritually to ground them in their faith in Jesus Christ? Absolutely. It is at every age that these faith awards are offered. It in in order for the girls to get what's called their level awards, which are these achievement areas that they can really set a goal and go for it, they have to include their faith award, even our highest award, the Stars and Stripes. Unlike other scouting organizations, their faith award is not part of that journey. But for us it is, because Christ-centered is our is the center of our of our diagram, as you mentioned. So the girls are able to choose which ones of these faith awards they would like to earn. One of them that I especially love is the old, for the older girls, the Patriot level, which is a biblical worldview curricula that is, it's pretty light. It's not, it's not a PhD by any means, (laughs) but yet it helps girls to understand what a biblical worldview lens is and what, how that looks different than the secular worldview lens that most schools are teaching and how you can start to see and discern through this biblical world lens what the Lord would want for your life. And so that to me is very exciting. There's also really neat ones about Bible journaling and how to study the scripture and all in the context of doing this with friends so that suddenly faith isn't just left for Sunday. It's taken off the shelf, used all the time and Really, we're doing life together through our faith journey. That's neat. Patty, what would you say has been the most gratifying part of founding American Heritage Girls in terms of how these girls are benefiting from the program? Oh, golly. I just last, it was just last week, um, one of our troop coaches, um, we fully support all of our volunteers through training and coaching and all kinds of things, came into my office and said, Patty, you're not going to believe what happened. And I said, tell me what happened. (laughs) And she said, a teenage girl from a non-Christian family has accepted Christ and was baptized last weekend. And I'm like, now that's the stuff that we are blessed to see in our own lifetime. You know, even if we planted these seeds, Janet, for our entire lives, knowing that God is faithful would be enough, but to be able to see these fruits, these overt fruits of the work that, um, not just myself, I mean, it's all these volunteer leaders that are amazing legacy makers in their own communities are able to see that is truly a blessing. Well, that is great. How, how many troops are you currently supporting? How many girls are involved? How many volunteers, roughly speaking? Right. We've got 52,000 members in all 50 states, 16 international countries. And what that represents is about 1,300 churches across the country that have said, yes, we care about girls. Yes, we care about families. And yes, we want a program that can serve as an outreach as well as an inreach to the youth in our communities. That's neat. So neat. So people can go to your website if you are hearing the show right now and you want to start a troop. Maybe your church doesn't have American Heritage Girls, but you have a lot of little girls who probably would be interested in benefiting from the program. Just go to your website, right, Patty? 
that's right. AmericanHeritageGirls.org. On the uh, top right, you'll see Find a Troop. You can plop your zip code in there, see if there's a troop in your area. And if you want to ensure that your daughter can have this great experience and you as mom or you as dad can also journey with her, you can start a troop. And that same um, easy navigation is right there below that red box. So check us out, AmericanHeritageGirls.org. .org. I love that, AmericanHeritageGirls.org. I would imagine, too, Patty, as I'm considering the lives of these young girls and how they're shaped through American Heritage Girls, you're also giving a lot of peace of mind to the moms. Am I right that the moms are very happy that they have a troop to send their girls to where they're not going to have to worry about all the progressivism? Oh, you've got it in, in such a world as this. You know, they just want this peace, this this stillness, this ability to say, I can trust that organization. And Janet, we take that very, very seriously when we're vetting our partners and all the different people that we uh, work with, that it is going to be aligned with what our parents expect, unlike what happened to us in the Girl Scouts <laughs> when there was a bait and switch and smoke and mirrors. We are clear about who, we're, who we are and whose we are. Very good. Well, you can check out more about the American Heritage Girls at AmericanHeritageGirls.org. Patty Harabay with us. Patty, a delight to have you. Keep up the good work. Uh, thank you. It's a delight to be with you. Oh, thanks for being here. God bless you. We'll be back on Janet Mefford today after this. This archived broadcast of Janet Meffer Today is brought to you by Bible League. Your gift of $35 will send seven Bibles to Christians in need, and your gift of $100 will send 20 Bibles. And right now, with a matching gift, your gift will be doubled. Call now, 800-YES-WORD, 800-YES-WORD, 800-YES-WORD. Or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. You're listening to Janet Mefford Today and Now. Here's your host, Janet Mefford. Well, I have to say it was a very bizarre sight to go into a supermarket over the weekend and see pretty much no meat in the case. And I'm thinking to myself, all right, Americans, I understand that you're watching the media and you're listening to the news and you're freaking out over the coronavirus pandemic. And yes, it is a serious situation. And yes, we do need to be careful and we do need to take precautions. But we don't have a meat shortage I didn't understand the toilet paper thing. I don't understand the meat thing. More and more, we're seeing shelves just going completely bare because people are freaking out. You need to not freak out. We don't have a food shortage. We don't even have a toilet toilet paper shortage. All of those paper goods are going to make their ways back into the shelves of American supermarkets. But it, it just is indicative of the degree to which people are panicking. And a lot has been said about it. I'm almost to the point where I don't want to spend too much time on the situation because it seems you can't get away from it. And you just become weary of hearing all of the scaremongering and and serious warnings. And you say, are we overreacting? Are we underreacting? What will happen? Are we going to be locked down in our homes for months? Who knows how it's all going to go? 
I did appreciate, though, and I will say this, I did appreciate very, very much what President Trump did, and that was putting out this proclamation on the National Day of Prayer for all Americans affected by the coronavirus pandemic and for our national response efforts. And if you read through the text of this proclamation that was put out, and yesterday was this National Day of Prayer, I think it was exactly what Americans needed, because he did stress, as he asked us all to pray for the health and well-being of our fellow Americans, he stressed that we have to remember no problem is too big for God to handle. And I really appreciated that. We need to remember that. We need to remember that, especially those of us who are the household of faith. We love and serve a mighty God and a mighty Savior, Jesus Christ. He is sovereign. He is in control. And I might add, because I think there's not as much attention being given to the flip side of that. It's not a flip side, but it's a further point that I think really is important for people to remember. And I think of, for example, in Proverbs 6, where it says, go to the Anto sluggard, consider her ways and be wise without having any chief officer or ruler. She prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Now, that's not a passage encouraging you to go out and hoard toilet paper. But it is a reminder that the fact that God is sovereign does not excuse us from doing smart things. We know God is sovereign. The farmer knows God is sovereign, but he does not neglect to plant his seeds and water them and do everything you need to do in order to yield a good crop by the grace of God. And similarly, I think it's very important for us to not be totally cavalier. I understand that we don't want to engage in any sort of panic, and I know there are a number of us who may be a little bit skeptical on how big a threat it really is. We don't know. That's the thing. We just don't know how it will play out. We can extrapolate this or that, or we can guess here or there, but none of us know the future. Only God knows the future. And it isn't a bad thing to take precautions. We certainly don't want, especially the elderly among us, to come down with coronavirus because they're at much higher risk of not living through it. So we have to keep all of these things in balance, and I think that's an important thing to remember. Now, I do have to make an announcement, which pains me to make, but in light of everything that is going on with coronavirus and all of the precautions people are taking... And I'm sure you've seen all of these airports jammed with people coming over for, from Europe before the travel ban went into effect. And you're hearing about school closings and colleges that are now instituting online classes for students and extending spring breaks. Who knows how long this will go on? The cancellation of concerts and big events in Disneyland, on and on and on. We have made the very tough decision to postpone our God's Voice conference, and it just upsets us to have to do that. But the reason that we're doing that is because we don't want to take lightly the fact that over the next several weeks, things could get worse. And we certainly don't want anybody to get sick by coming to a gathering where there might be in particular elderly people or people who have compromised immune systems. We can have the conference a little later on this year. And that's exactly what we're going to do. We're aiming right now for a date that we will soon announce in the fall. And I apologize to anybody who who has signed up and registered, but I want to reassure you that you will be contacted if you've already registered for the conference. Somebody will be contacting you shortly about your financial options. So you're not going to lose any money and you'll still be able to come to the conference. It's just we're going to put it off for a little while until everything sort of stabilizes and we know what the situation is. So same 
conference. Same speakers. We're going to have the same event. We're just going to put it off for a little while. So I'll be keeping you informed on everything. And you can continue to go to our website at godsvoice.us for updated information. And I'm sorry to have to do this, but you know, I'd rather be prudent than go ahead with a conference where our attendance might be down because people are maybe concerned about going to a gathering at that time, or maybe they have children out of school and they're just not able to come. So we want to maximize the number of people who are able to come. And that's why we made the decision. So again, we will keep you posted on that. I want to play for you something that I thought was really great pertaining to the National Day of Prayer called by President Trump over this coronavirus pandemic. And it was a prayer from Dr. James Dobson. And I thought this was just a terrific way to pray. Listen to cut four. Heavenly Father, we thank you for inviting us to bring our cares and concerns to you because, as the scripture tells us, you care about us. We can't explain why you're mindful of us, but we know that nothing escapes your notice, including those in our midst today who are suffering and fearful. So, Lord, we do call on your name, not just about our personal concerns, but for the entire human family around the world. We want you to give wisdom and guidance to our president and to the international leaders as they do their best to protect the people from the coronavirus. Be with the scientists as they seek to develop a vaccination to bring this epidemic to an end. We are in your hands today, Lord, and we thank you for loving us. Amen. I love that. Very, very well said, Dr. Dobson. A hearty amen in response to that prayer. And I was thinking as well, what would be wonderful to pray for, in addition to everything that Dr. Dobson mentioned, is to pray that this may be a turning point in the life of America. We know how many problems we have as a divided nation. We know what kind of moral debauchery we have sunk into over the last several decades. And we know many, many people do not know the Lord. We are in a really bad time spiritually as a nation. And I would pray that the Lord would use this crisis to bring more and more and more people to genuine faith and repentance and to trust in Jesus Christ for the first time. And this is a wonderful opportunity for the church, I think, to continue to lift up the name of Jesus Christ as the only hope for any of us in life or in death. And so the Lord gives us these sorts of opportunities from time to time. We can't always just freak out about what's going on all around us, but look for opportunities to really capitalize on the the moment and to give people hope, real hope in Jesus. Speaking of which, something really exciting. We are very excited here at Janet Meffer today to tell you about a great new project we're involved in. Bible League is a wonderful ministry. I'm sure you've heard of them. And they have a Bible study that they conduct with persecuted Christians across the world. And at the end of that 12-week Bible study with these new believers, they give them a Bible. And you can imagine how precious a Bible is for these new believers in Jesus Christ. We're talking about parts of Asia and Africa, the Middle East, Latin America and Europe. And you can help Get these Bibles to these persecuted Christians. Your gift of $35 will send seven Bibles. A gift of $100 will send 20 Bibles in the language of these new Christians in these parts of the world where there's so much persecution. We are trying to raise enough to send 1,200 Bibles to persecuted Christians across the world. And right now, because of a matching gift, 
If you can give a gift today, it will be doubled. So we can give 2,400 Bibles to persecuted Christians around the world. If you can help out, call now, 800-YES-WORD, 800-YES-WORD, which is 800-937-9673, 800-YES-WORD, or there's a Bible League banner to click at JanetMefford.com. We'll be coming back right after this. Stay with us. story company comes i still believe based on the real life true story of chart topping singer jeremy camp i still believe reminds us that amidst life storms true hope can be found in christ he chose to walk into the fire with her that's what love is if one person's life is changed by what i go through it will all be worth it i still believe starring kj appa Rit robertson shania twain and gary sinise rated pg parental guidance suggested now playing more information is at i still believe movie.com If you're looking for adventure, serving as a volunteer on the Mercy Ship is an adventure like no other. And you'll be serving on the largest non-governmental hospital ship in the world, providing free care to some of the world's poorest people. Whether it's performing a surgery, cleaning the deck, or transporting a patient to a recovery center, every day you'll be making a difference in the lives of struggling people. Begin your adventure today. Connect with us at mercyships.org. It's an adventure of a lifetime. Hi, this is Janet Mefford for Preborn. Candace talks about finding out she was pregnant. Thankfully, an ultrasound provided by Preborn allowed her to hear her baby's heartbeat. The sonogram sealed the deal for me. My baby was like this tiny little spectrum of hope. And I saw his heart beating on the screen. And knowing that there's life growing inside, I mean, that sonogram changed my life. I went from just Candace to mom. Thank you to everybody that has given these gifts. You guys are giving more than money. You guys are giving love. Preborn has 10 centers that do not have ultrasound machines. Would you make a leadership gift and sponsor a machine today? These life-saving machines cost more than most centers can afford. Your tax-deductible gift of $15,000 will place a machine in a needy women's center and save countless lives for years to come. To donate, call 855-402-BABY, 855-402-BABY, or there's a banner to click at JanetMefford.com. You're listening to Janet Mefford today, and now here's Janet. Well, let's get back into some of this coronavirus news. There's an awful lot. It seems to be shifting minute by minute, almost hour by hour. You may have seen all over the news, Dr. Anthony Fauci. He's the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. He's part of this coronavirus team formed by President Trump. He's been all over the news. And it's interesting how in these different interviews, he is simultaneously held forth as the expert that he is on this subject, but also challenged to try to take political digs at President Trump. You know, we shouldn't be surprised by this at all. I want to get to some of this audio, though. CNN, as Newsbusters has pointed out, has been so intense with pushing the narrative that President Trump never cared immediately about the coronavirus and dealing with it. And they 
really focused in on this image of him with Dr. Fauci touching a microphone at the same time at that White House press conference. This came up during this interview um, yesterday, actually, on State of the Union on CNN. And this was a fill-in host, Brianna Kylar. But I want to play a couple of cuts from that particular interview so you can hear a little bit of what he had to say and also just get a handle on where CNN is, where, where they've always been. A lot of fake news going on over there. But at any rate, this was one of the exchanges that took place having to do with how many people could be affected by this pandemic. This is cut one. So one week ago, we were reporting 19 deaths, 490 infected. Uh, Today, the count is at least 60 deaths, almost 3,000 infected. And you say, as we heard, that the virus may continue to get worse for another two months. There have been estimates of hundreds of thousands of people in the U.S. who could die or in the worst case scenario millions. Can you tell the American people that that is possible? You know, it's possible because when you do a model, you have a worst case scenario, the best case scenario. And the reality is how you react to that will depend where you're going to be on that curve. So obviously we are clearly going to have more infections. There's going to be more problems uh, with regard to morbidity and mortality. The challenge we have right now is how do we blunt that? You know, I've said many times, if you just leave it alone and let the virus to its own devices, it'll go way up and then it'll come down naturally over a period of several weeks. Unfortunately for our colleagues in Italy and in France and certainly in China, that's what happened. Our challenge right now is to do two things, is to prevent the new influx of cases, hence the travel restrictions. And for what we're dealing with right now, is to know that we're going to get more infections, but blunt it so that we don't have that sharp peak, that we have more of a, of a, of a smaller hump. Even with that, we're going to have people getting infected, but we need to try and get there as opposed to there. Well, right. I don't think when you listen to his tone of voice that he is being an alarmist. I think he's trying to be responsible in his official position to say, we don't know how many people might be affected. We don't know ultimately how many people might die. But the way these headlines read, it's as if he is trumpeting from the rooftops. Millions and millions of people are going to die. We don't know. They don't know. They're experts and they don't know. It just has to play out and we'll see how it goes. But this was also a very bizarre exchange, again, on CNN with Brianna Kylar and Anthony Fauci, Dr. Fauci, on this issue of the microphone and the, the fact that Dr. Fauci and President Trump touched the same microphone. Listen to cut two. I want to take a look uh, at this picture. You actually touched the same podium. I'm sure you've seen this in microphone as the president and other CEOs, even at the same time. The vice president has taken a test for coronavirus. He tested neg- or the president has tested negative, I should say. Has Vice President Pence, have, have you taken a test? Are you going no. to take a test? No. Well, I, I'm not taking a test for the summer reason. I have no symptoms. I have not. I, I'm practicing pretty good social distance. I don't it's, go to, but it's hard to, it's I, hard to I fully do it as we but see not everybody in the United States should take a test. I mean, I have no symptoms. There's no reason for me to take a test. If I'm in a situation where I'm at a higher risk, I will take a test. The picture you showed about the microphone, let's get real here. I mean, there are certain things that you have to do. If I left the microphone at that, you would see nothing but the microphone. My putting my two fingers to get the microphone down isn't that bad. So I don't think we should make something of that. I'd like to see people more doing this as opposed to shaking hands. Well, we are not going to shake hands, although I am very <laughs> grateful that you're here today, Dr. Fauci. Thank you so much. Okay, good to be with you. 
I don't see him worrying about this quite as much as that anchor was. Oh, you! why didn't you get a test? I don't have any symptoms. Think about this for a moment. They're the same people who are crying and yelling and moaning over the fact that there aren't enough tests for all the people who need to get tested or might need to get tested in the United States, and it's all Trump's fault. So then she says, why don't you take a test? Well, I have no symptoms. I mean, I guess he could have added if he really wanted to be a little bit back in her face. I would prefer that the tests would be saved for people who are actually exhibiting symptoms, not people who are, you know... Uh, epidemiologists or experts in the infectious disease realm uh, taking these, you know, taking these tests just to make the media happy. I these people are just incredible. I, I just let him, let let him tell you what what we need to do, and don't don't freak people out all the time. Now, here was another interview that took place over the weekend. Chris Wallace over at Fox News also weighed in with Dr. Anthony Fauci, and he tried to get the doctor to say that Trump is lying about Obama-era regulations. you got to listen to this. This is cut three. I want to talk to you about a few weeks ago because there are continuing questions about why other countries, South Korea may be the best example, are testing thousands of people a day. And so far, the CDC says that it and state labs total, the whole crisis, have tested 13,000 people. Here's how you and the president answered questions about the testing lag this week. The okay. idea of anybody getting it easily the way people in other countries are doing it, we're not set up for that. Do I think we should be? Yes, but we're not. No, I don't take responsibility at all because we were given a uh, a set of circumstances and we were given rules, regulations and specifications from a different time. The president says the Obama administration set up rules and regulations that made it impossible to do testing. You were in the same position under the Obama administration. Is that true? Is that what stopped it? You know, Chris, to be honest with you, I'm not sure what regulations and when it was that they're they're talking about. I, I really mean that. I mean, I'm trying to figure out what it is that these things were in place that were were, were able to or, or inhibiting. But one thing that I do know now is that the the ability to get a test had some regulatory and other restrictions on it, but the FDA now has just gotten rid of. I mean, they could have done that at day one. Well, yeah, they could have. But the fact is, it wasn't. So I tend to like to instead of looking back, look at where we're going. Look at where we're going. Well, uh, something else that is interesting that somebody sent this to me. It was a CDC website story here on the case fatality risk estimates for the coronavirus calculated by using a lag time for fatality. And in the abstract, they just say, we estimated the case fatality risk for 2019 novel coronavirus disease cases in China. China, excluding Hubei province, 82 countries, territories, and areas, and on a cruise ship. Now listen to this. Lower estimates might be closest to the true value, but a broad range of 0.25% up to 3% probably should be considered. So on the low end, it may be that the fatality rates, according to the CDC for coronavirus, could be as low as 0.25%. And yet I'm seeing these stories trumpeting that up to 150 million Americans could be wiped out by this disease. 
you're not seeing that in China. You're you're not seeing that. And, and I understand what's going on in Italy. You have a a lot of deaths, and it's terrible. It's absolutely tragic, but it's not in the hundreds of millions. Um, so we'll see what happens. Oh, meantime, you have from the Daily Caller this story that all bars and restaurants in two states are going to be closing due to the coronavirus. Ohio and Illinois said they will sign orders closing all bars and restaurants to curb the spread of coronavirus. And the Ohio governor announced his order will close all bars and restaurants in the state indefinitely. Uh, as of 9 p.m. last night, establishments will still be able to provide carryout and delivery service to their customers. I think it's going to be interesting to see if the drive throughs will do better because you don't have to go in and sit down and order and be around a lot of people because people certainly will still want to get out of their houses and get something to eat or just get some fresh air. We're kind of in uncharted territory here. It's very strange. And I know you feel it too. It's just a strange situation, but I'm hoping and I'm praying that it'll just be for the next couple of weeks. If we do what we're told to do, try to minimize contact, minimize big gatherings and make sure that we're doing sensible things to try to minimize any exposure that we might have to the virus, to somebody else who could be really harmed by it that God in his mercy will spare us a gigantic problem here in the United States with the spread of coronavirus because we don't want any deaths. We don't want any sicknesses. So continue to pray for this country and pray for opportunities to share the gospel as well. This could be a really good time to see some wonderful, wonderful fruit. This hour, Janet Mefford today is brought to you by Kingdom Story Company's I Still Believe, based on the real life, true story of chart-topping singer Jeremy Camp. I Still Believe... Rated PG, parental guidance suggested, now playing. More information is available at istillbelievemovie.com. Thanks a lot for being with us. We'll see you next time.